Buonasera tutti. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of Italy and actually all things Italian. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and I'm here with the world famous <laughs> Tommaso. Thank you for that introduction, my darling. You're very welcome. He is my partner in life and thank God my podcast producer. <laughs> it's a pleasure, my dear. Thank you. This episode is going to pick up where we left off last week while introducing the Amalfi Coast. I actually was smack dab in the middle of describing the mountains on the coast when Tommaso was like hand signaling and stuff across the studio, letting me know I was rambling on too long. So I had to somewhat abruptly end that episode. It's always, you always, it's not that you always ramble on. It's that you just get so enamored and enthusiastic with the country that you love. Thank you very much. Well, that means that the beginning of this new episode may sound like it's starting from a previous recording because it is. Because it is, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We kept recording after afterward after he was telling me to stop because I was on a roll. So there you have it. So please pardon our kind of initial or potential rough start. But from my personal experience, now that I have quote unquote one year under my belt. You are a, a vet, you're a veteran. Exactly. I'm a podcaster of one year. Not necessarily a influential podcaster, but I am a podcaster of one year. You do so, a wonderful job. Thank you very much. So there you have it. Whenever I'm on a roll, Tommaso kind of lets me go with the flow. However, before we just dive into this quote-unquote rough start, I want to say, for those of you that may be new to us this particular episode, I just have to say that in the last week since I mentioned this last time, Italy has just had a resurgence of tourists, an onslaught of visitors that they weren't quite prepared for, but that's okay. I have, they're happy for the business Everyone and all my clients that have been there in this last few weeks are super happy. Everything is great, but it is busy. And I don't think anyone was prepared for it. So I just want to say, if you're thinking of going this fall, next spring, next summer, just get in touch now because it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. And, you know, the fact is, It's been two years where people really haven't traveled and now they want to go somewhere and Italy is on everyone's list. I don't, I don't care where you want to go in Italy. You just want to go there. Italy is the best country in the world. So that's why it's so happy. See, certo. Right. But anyway, I don't want to deter you. Instead, I just want to share with you that just get in touch now. It will still be the most amazing vacation trip you can ever have, but just don't wait. Okay. So now. Back to our kind of jump into the Amalfi Coast. And even though I have never been to the Amalfi Coast. But you're going to go. Yes, I am. It is one of the places I'm absolutely dying to go to. I'm not going to throw myself off the cliffs like they did way back then, (laughs) but I'm dying to go there. I'm dying to go there with you and we'll get there sooner than later. Exactly. Okay. Benvenuto to the Amalfi Coast. Let's go. And a little lower down the mountains is another deep valley with a lot of waterfalls. And in medieval times, they built these foundries next to the waterfall, which powered the paper mills. The paper industry 
which actually I mentioned in a Venezia episode, they were the first, Amalfi region was the first to actually make paper and they used the waterfalls as the power. So you can walk on a six kilometer trail through the lower mountains in Amalfi and see these ancient foundations. The waterfalls are still there. And the beauty of this place, beside the history of it, is that it's like its own little microclimate. And I did this the first time I was there. I haven't done it since, but I would like to do it again. It's like a microclimate because the ravines are so deep that the north side kind of shelters it from the worst of the winter weather. The south side shelters it from the worst of the summer heat and the sun. So you have these like floral and fauna and these rare plants and rare ferns like next to a chestnut tree. Hmm. So it's really, really beautiful. And that's a six kilometer hike that I highly suggest doing. So I've just mentioned, or I've described, I should say, all the things that the mountains and the sea offer other than just the beauty of looking at them. So that's not even taking into consideration the villages, all those villages that I listed at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And each of these villages have an incredible history behind them with their architectural influences of Byzantine, Moorish, Greek, mostly due to all the shipping that took place on the coast. And of course, the normal course of history of different rulers over the centuries, wars, everything influenced the architecture everywhere in Italy and Europe but especially on this teeny little remote coast. However, the beauty of the Amalfi Coast also stemmed from some hardships as well. And as I just a second mentioned, it had been a huge shipping port to countries south and east, and then the papermaking industry had boats coming and going, shipping paper all around the world from there. But the bad voodoo showed up in 1306. That's a long time ago. It was sort of like plaguey time. Exactly. How'd you know that? Oh, rough guess. <laughs> Damn. Anyway, in 1306, the plague basically took out a major percentage of the population and it stopped all the trade and the shipping economy completely. Then a massive storm in 1343, so not even 40 years later, completely demolished the entire port, all the remaining ships that had been kind of stuck since the plague, and basically the entire village of Amalfi. And I'm not yet, I'm not yet done. Okay. Five years later, in 1348, five years later after that horrible storm, the plague came back. I mean, that is a string of bad luck. So it all dried up and then the entire Amalfi coast slowly returned over hundreds of years to the little sleeping villages that it had been prior to the plague. And then... There's a happy ending to this story, obviously. <laughs> thankful, thankful. <laughs> and then finally in the 19th century, the European Grand Tour that most of you have heard about hit its peak with all these upper class young European men and some some girls, some women. And this Grand Tour went through Europe and its main destination was Italy. But toward the end of that 19th century, they added Napoli, Naples, to the itinerary and the quote-unquote rugged coastline below it. And because these young travelers were from upper class, they had the funds to hire private boats. 
And therefore, these local fishermen that own boats made some money taking these people from the Grand Tour to the little villages that were like hidden gems because everything else they had seen all over Europe, Paris and Munich and, you know, were developed and thriving. Right. And at the end of the tour, because they finished in Italy because it was the warmest, they got to the Amalfi Coast and people were like, wow, this is undiscovered and this is our favorite. Oh, rural beauty, agricultural beauty. Exactly. And the cuisine yes. and the limoncello, which mm-hmm. I'm about to mention or go into later, the lemon liqueur that comes from these unbelievable lemon trees and orchards. It, it was just like intoxicating for these European Grand Tour travelers. Limoncello is intoxicating. Limoncello. Limon- Everyone calls it limoncello. 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 That's okay. You're learning as everyone else does as we go. Mm-hmm. So anyway, because of this Grand Tour, the king of Napoli at the time decided at the end of the 19th century to commission a road to connect Positano all the way down to Vietri sul Mare that I mentioned, almost to Salerno. And with that, boom. So for over a hundred years, there has been this road. And I swear, I don't think it's been widened or (laughs) basically improved upon much since then. It's not going to accommodate 21st century No, but it does. Cars. Somehow it does. Oh, these I know. huge tour buses, they have like two inches those between drivers, them. Those drivers are just... They're pros. They're pros. <laughs> anyway, before I finish this episode, I want to name a few people that got to stay or live or chose to on the Amalfi Coast, both before and after this road in the late 19th century. For example... Gore Vidal, the writer, he became an honorary citizen of Ravello because he lived there, had a house there for over 30 years. And he wrote some of his best work. And I mentioned him first because I had the honor of meeting him once. Really? Yes, I did. First time I've heard this. Oh, you didn't know that? No. It was at a Vogue Italia party in Milan. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anyway, so then Richard Wagner, the composer, lived there. D.H. Lawrence. Wagner, Wagner. Oh, excuse me. I don't know much about music. (laughs) I don't know nearly as much about classical music as I do about art. Wagner. Wagner. Richard Wagner. D.H. Lawrence. He wrote Lady Chatterley's Lover Mm. while down in the Amalfi Coast. Mm -hmm. The famous Dutch artist. Oh, I forgot to call our friend Anna a Dutchman to know the correct pronunciation of Escher. The graphic design artist Escher. 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 We'll go. I love his work. And I think now that I know this, I think he's totally influenced by all the Moorish architecture down there because it's very, very graphic and severe. Like the lines and the curves are severe. Mm -hmm. So that probably makes sense. Okay. Anyway, also, let's see, Virginia Woolf, Greta Garbo, on and on. Anyone who was anyone at the time. Exactly. And then guess what happened in 1992? I went there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, bad joke. Good joke, anyway, though. Good joke. Good thank joke. you. It's my first time to the Amalfi Coast. I had moved to Milan in 1990. I think it was 
maybe the end of 1991, sometime in 1992. All I remember was it was warm weather. Anyway, I got to go there for a photo shoot and it was like a two and a half week, almost three week photo shoot for an American client. And uh, this American client hired me because I knew them from the States before I moved there. We stayed in touch via the mail, the mail, the like old, the old post office mail. There was no email. There was, you could probably make a phone call. Obviously you could make a phone call, but did this client that I used to work for know where I was living? No, but she had my address. She sent me an email or excuse me. She sent me a letter in the post and hired me to do this job. So it was a long job and somehow I can't really remember how I did it, pulled it off. I did not have a location scout because at the time I did not have an agent. I did everything on my own. Didn't have a location scout, no company to find me these places and hire a person to scout the locations and send me photos of the time of day as one does now. But I I just chose, hey, let's go to the Amalfi Coast. Why Why not? not? (laughs) She said, choose a good place. Okay. I hadn't been there yet, so let's go. So we did, and she came over with an art director and a stylist, the fashion stylist, and the clothes for this catalog. My job was to find the locations and the models, and I had also hired a makeup artist and a photo assistant. So we all showed up from Milan down to Napoli, and I rented a van. And in those days, they didn't have Mercedes fancy passenger vans. They had cargo vans. So I put the litter boxes, the the, um, photo assistant, the makeup artist, the two models that I brought initially um, in the back of this cargo van with my camera gear and the makeup artist gear, et cetera. So I get in this van. It was literally a cargo van with no windows. Everybody's sitting in the back and I drive the Amalfi Coast that I just described. Did I know that it was as like white knuckle driving, death defying as I've just described? I'd heard about it, but it didn't, I didn't really think about it. You can it. hear about it, but you always think, ah, I've I, done I'll that. be fine. I'll be fine. And instead I was like, Dio mio, this is crazy. But it was this amazing blue day. It was so perfect. And finally I was like, you guys just come forward and look at this. Everyone's screaming. It was awesome. So we get to Positano and also somehow I found this hotel that was in the client's budget and it was right above the most famous hotel in all of Positano called Le Cyrenews. And for those of you know about the Amalfi Coast, Le Cyrenews is famous, historic, it's been there forever and we were right above it and each of our rooms had a terrace. So everyone got their own room and we had this terrace and with a view, the same as La Sierra News clients. And we were paying like one one thousandth of the price that they were. And we just were pinching ourselves thinking, this is amazing. And the client wasn't flying in until the next day. So we had our first night there. It was just awesome. And then she somehow got there with a private driver and we all meet. Well, I knew her previously, obviously, But we all meet and the models are getting to know each other. Everybody's going through the clothes and the concept of the shoot, et cetera. So we start our first full day of shooting down in Positano on the beach. 
And the beach, as I just described, has the few, you know, chairs and umbrellas. But off to the north side is a little strip of quote unquote public beach. And right there at the end of the public beach abuts this restaurant called Tre Sorelle. The Three Sisters, that means. Is it still there? Oh, yes, it is. And I just had drinks and aperitivo there in 2019. And of course, I told them the whole story and they're like, okay, whatever. Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> yes, right. I was so happy to be there. Anyway, so <laughs> Tresorelle had uh, this open kind of area that just had tables on the beach and then some was inside under roofing, you know, in case of inclement weather, et cetera. So we put our photo equipment there, all the clothes, makeup artists had her little, you know, area set up and we just started shooting on the beach and with all these boats in the backgrounds, et cetera. And so as it came closer to lunch hour, I went up to the, to the restaurant, Tresorelle, and I was the only person that spoke any kind of Italian. And I asked them if we could reserve a table for lunch. And they're like, Chanto, of course. Are you guys the ones taking the pictures? And we're like, yes. And they're like, do you need any help? It's like, no, we're good. Thank you. Next thing you know, like the uncle was down there. He was like 70 years old. He's like, can I move your bags? Can I move the stands? Can I do anything? I was can I like, help the models. Why not? So it was so much fun. And the next thing you know, we became like entwined with the whole family of the three sister restaurant mm -hmm. because those three sisters had brothers, cousins, uncles, you name it. The entire family generations were helping <laughs> us do this photo shoot. And it was so much fun. So we indeed had lunch there during the height of the day when the sun is too high and you know, harsh. So during that lunch, everyone else drank whatever they wanted to. I don't while I'm working. And the client, really, really nice woman who I knew before was so happy. Like I've never seen a happier person. And was it because I had two male models and two female models? Maybe the two male models, one was my friend, Dean, who actually lived in the apartment next door to me. And he was so nice and big and hulking. And I knew he could help me. And this other Romanian guy, incredibly handsome and two beautiful women. So the client was really happy, had the best long lunch ever, little sleepy naps. And then we go back out and shoot again late in the day. And the point of my story here is that in 1992 in Positano, which currently is the most popular of all the Amalfi Coast villages. There were no tourists. There was no one gawking or staring. There were, I didn't have to get a permit. I didn't have to have a model release for any of the fishermen in the background or these little kids that were playing soccer with a soccer ball on the beach. It was an unbelievable experience in the warm weather, which means high season, tourist season, no one around except the locals that were so enthralled. And I'm sure that- well, who was, was, who were the two female models? Was one Talisa? <gasps> oh, Tomasa remembers Talisa. Well, I- Yes, of course I, I had, you do. I had dinner with them in Milan. Yes. So in, my friend, Juan. my friend Juan- And I can easily understand why the men were coming down to the beach. Exactly. My friend Juan, who I mentioned in our Milano episodes- he was my 
first good friend and we took an apartment together and he started dating Talisa and he is now married to her for like the last 30 years Mm -hmm. and she is stunning. She is from Puerto Rico. He is Mexican. So can I just say that their children, their three children (laughs) are the most beautiful people you've ever seen. Anyway. So yes, Talisa was there and there was this super good looking redhead, uh, German woman, like auburn hair. And her name was Zelda. And the only other Zelda I've ever known in my life was the bar in Newport. Zelda's, right? One of Tommaso's old haunts. Yeah, it it doesn't hold a candle probably to Zelda. (laughs) Right. And Dean, my neighbor, friend, model, he knew Talisa, so Zelda Zelda was on his radar. But anyway, good looking people, models, happy, friendly locals, no permits, no hassles, no tours. It was such an incredible experience. And that was just Amalfi itself and the village of Positano and the village of Amalfi. So we shot in both of those places. And we got from place to place, village to village, by these locals offering to drive us there. One guy drove me in an ape, you know, like that three-wheeled motorcycle mm-hmm. with my photo equipment in the back. And Everyone else got to go in like a real car. I mean, it was incredible. And then from the village of Amalfi, like uh, seven days later, we took a boat to Capri, my first time to Capri. And most people, Americans pronounce it Capri. And I want you to know that that's how you call the pants that are below your knee. Okay. Right. So Capri is the island. All right. That's the correct pronunciation. There you go. So we go to Capri for the first time and we stayed in this old, old villa outside the main piazza, which, you know, there's so much history to Capri with the Rat Pack Club and everyone just went there. The Glitterati, the rich and famous. And there I was in 1992 doing a photo shoot and I was beside myself. I was so happy we stayed in this little villa and we had new models that came and went. Each model stayed like two or three days and then the next one would fly in and whatever. And while we were in Capri, an Australian male model showed up that I had booked through my agency in Milan, but I sadly cannot remember his name. He was so good looking that the client could kind of like barely control herself. It like it was hard to look at him. He was so good looking. So <laughs> I can't remember his name. So I'm just going to refer to him as Surfer Boy. So he was from Sydney and just a blonde beauty like no other. So Happy Client was even happier in Capri. So we shoot all over Capri in the main piazza at night and out on the cliffs. And then one day we went down and hired a private gondola to go into the world famous Grotto Azzurro, the Blue Grotto. Everyone's heard about it and it is worth everything. It is amazing. This natural grotto where the water just glows. It's unbelievable. So we hired this boat, take us in a couple at a time. And he, of course, was enamored by the models, male and female. And their shtick is that they sing. And this particular gondolier had the best voice, very deep. And he was singing Italian opera. But inside this grotto, it was just too loud. It was overwhelming. So finally I was like, look, 
if I take a picture with you and Talisa, can can you just shut up after that? <laughs> so he goes, see. Sí. So I did, and he stopped so I could concentrate. Anyway, it was Capri was just like the rest of the Amalfi Coast. The friendliest people, everyone helped, everyone schlepped my luggage. People offered to do everything. We ate in little local restaurants. There wasn't crowds. I don't know if I was just lucky, but I was there almost three weeks and did not encounter any kind of hordes of tourism and groups. And it was just completely idyllic. And I thought, this is the best place I've ever been. On top of the fact, it's so incredibly beautiful. So we just had the best, best time. And I felt lucky. And every single person on the job just knew it was the best job they'd ever had up until that point and could be for all I know, (laughs) best job they've ever had in their life. So anyway, our very last day in Capri, this client, as nice as she was, gave us a free day and we all decided to do the same thing. Well, I didn't drink coffee yet then, if you remember, right, I lived there right. for like five years uh, drinking coffee. So it's I got like up living in Scotland and not drinking scotch. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so I got up really early on my own and I went down these paths I had read about that have such history and I was cruising along too fast. I was by myself and I wiped out, which actually I tend to wipe out a lot on all these stories I tell about. Anyway, so I wiped out and fell and felt something like under my legs or feet or bum or whatever. So I dug away at it and I found these four tiles, four perfectly preserved tiles, hand-painted tiles. And I was like, these must be medieval. I'm going to take my camera out of my backpack and my little bottle of water and put these tiles in it, which is exactly what I did. And these four tiles, Tommaso, in case you don't know, are the tiles on my parents' porch outside their retirement home that I had made as a gift when I got back. Very nice. Yeah. So that's how old they are. And of course, I was thinking they're from, you know, like the medieval age. You're going to sell them at Sotheby's and retire. (laughs) No, but it's such a good story. So anyway, and then I met everybody back after breakfast and we decided to go to, which I had also read about in a book, Villa Jovis. And that translates to the Villa of Jupiter. So Villa Jovis has an awesome story. It's still there. And it was inhabited by Tiberius. Tiberius is the stepson. Well, the name in Italian is Tiberio. But Tiberius, as we say in English, was the stepson of Augustus, the first ruler of the Roman Empire. And when Augustus died in 14 AD, Tiberius, the stepson, became ruler. So he did fine for like 22, 25 years. And then I think he got bored and he just decided to go to Capri and he basically hung out there and he became a little removed from his duties and he just kind of felt like treating himself. And he hired all these uh, young men and women to be brought over from the mainland to Villa Jovis. So we all walked with the goal of knowing that there's a legend that happens there, that did happen there. So we all go, like all of us, like eight, 10 of us, go hiking off to Villa Jovis. And it, the path is like super narrow. There's a cliff on your left and the cliff on your right goes straight down to the water. You pass the villa and you get to these rock outcroppings. And supposedly, legend has it, 
that when Tiberius tired of his lovers that he had shipped in, he walked them out there on a full moon and he shoved them to their death. Ouch. Right? However, they say, which I read in this book. And it's 19- not a very nice thank you. No, it's not. But, you know, then he had new girls shipped in. So, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so I had read in this book that if you walk to the cliff at the past village of us, if you're there on a windy day with the Mistral or the Sirocco that I mentioned earlier, you can actually hear the screams of the lovers that were pushed off the cliff. So we all did it. And we went and we're like, can't hear anything, but <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever. It was awesome. So then we did that and then we decided to walk back. And all of a sudden the stylist who came from America on this job, awesome woman, did a fantastic job. All of a sudden she was in front of me and she just froze, completely froze, didn't move. I was like, what's wrong? She goes, and she got it out. She has a super massive fear of heights. And she literally just froze. After she got there, heard the story, I don't know, she froze. So the Romanian model and I like turned her facing the cliff and everyone else was in front of us. And we faced her to the cliff so she couldn't see the drop to the ocean below. And we just sidestepped the whole way back. And I was like, I was first. So I kept looking behind me like, oh my God, don't step backwards. We finally got her out. We finally meet the rest of the group. And the client was there with Surfer Boy. And she has never had a better day in her life. She <laughs> she probably had like, that probably took like an hour and a half. And she was so happy. She was hoping it would take longer. Yeah. And then we had one last amazing dinner and all left the next day on a boat, got back to Napoli, flew back to Milano. Everyone else flew back to the United States and Man, what a trip. So I just wanted to share that story. It probably took longer than I should have taken. But from that first trip in 1992 to what it is like now, much more um, populated, many more restaurants. People, a lot more people showing up because people know about it. Yes. The interwebs have helped. Right. But I feel so fortunate to have had that experience. Yeah. 30 years ago, so lucky me. However, that doesn't mean that you can't have the same awesome trip. And you can still walk to that cliff where Tiberius threw his lovers off. And I bet you any amount of money they've like upgraded that path. Sure. <laughs> By since then, because that was a little scary. So that's it. Now I've run out of time. So let's pick up next week. And our episode will start in order, I think, chronologically with Positano. Okay. And we'll work our way south and see how far we get. Okay. All right. So thank you very much for listening. And ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao tutti. Grazie. Grazie.